Oh, I thought it came in a kit. I thought it was like, great. So if I just take that course, it'll work. And that was stupid. <laughs> Welcome to the Social Media Love Podcast, where you will discover how to get more clients on social media with proven social selling strategies. And now your host, social media marketing coach, influencer, speaker, and founder of Social Media Love, Angelique Benet. Social media, love it or hate it? In a world where the average daily screen time is almost seven hours a day, including social media, how can women entrepreneurs get a piece of this marketplace and finally fall in love with their fear of becoming visible, i.e. sharing their voice, ideas, stories, irresistible lucrative offers, beliefs, leadership and expertise with a community of like-minded individuals in a way that feels good, genuine and healthy. This show is exactly about this via storytelling, interviews and social media marketing tutorials. Every week we add a piece to the puzzle. Welcome to Social Media Love Show and welcome to the conversation. Welcome to the real story behind our business with Lisa <laughs> you said it perfectly, Angelique. <laughs> no. Okay. I was mute, apparently. Spring <laughs> is playing with us. Okay. <laughs> so this show is meant for women entrepreneurs who want to inspire other women entrepreneurs to share the story in a way that it feels good to sell their products and expertise. Because most of us women entrepreneurs it's most of the time our story, our personal story that brought us to build the business that mm -hmm. we have. And this is always fascinating. So I can't wait to deep dive into your story. Tell us before we go with the question, who are you, Lisa? <laughs> uh, so, okay, so you know my name, Lisa Rabluck. And so I'm uh, down the highway from you in St. John, New Brunswick, and I have a company called Wicked Ideas Media. And so I do change management learning and coaching, and I specialize in helping people who are driven to change their world with purpose, and they've got the scars to prove it. So yeah, so that's kind of what I'm all about, trying to solve those big, complicated problems. <laughs> Who doesn't have any? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's a yeah a pandemic is a is a great time for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Lisa, you didn't become the wicked woman entrepreneur like that. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Can mm -hmm. you can you bring us back to the little girl when she was five and six? What <laughs> in her do you remember that was kind of a like a pre precursor of who you became? Oh, I was the girl with all the questions. Um, so I am the youngest in my immediate family, and I'm also the youngest of my generation of cousins. So anyone who comes from big extended families, I was the little one running around. Um, and so I was always curious about what was going on. And so I think that was the precursor to what I became. Because like you, I followed my original path was a path into journalism. So... <laughs> That's, um, that's, and that is what I wanted to be since I was a little girl. I can never remember wanting to do anything other than write and tell stories. Wow. It's the same for me. Mm -hmm. Do yeah. you remember the day 
that it clicked? So I remember the the day I actually told someone. Um, so I can't remember the day it clicked because I can't remember a day when it wasn't in my head. So to be a writer, but to be a journalist, I remember it distinctly. I was sitting in room 212 of Holy Name of Mary High School in Mississauga. I was in the third desk in the first row and my it was I was in grade 10 and my history teacher, John Kostoff was leaning against the door frame and it was between classes and I had been the first to arrive. And he said, hey, Lisa, what do you think you want to be when you grow up? And I said, oh, like a lawyer, because that was the answer everybody gave. And then I paused and I said, or a journalist. And he looked at me, smiled and said, yeah, I can see you being that. So, um, uh, well, so um, uh, when I went to the University of Toronto, that was my first degree. And so I immediately went and volunteered for the student newspaper. So U of T has a bunch of different colleges and I was at St. Mike's College. So I went and I volunteered at the mic. And so I wrote for the mic. I was a columnist with the mic. I was the news editor of the mic. So I spent those four years at U of T as a student journalist. Yeah. Wow. I love and it. And then went off to Ryerson for journalism. So, okay. Yeah, so 19, I was 19 when I started yeah. writing so stories. From journalist to the wicked empire. <laughs> what happened? What the heck happened? Yeah. So um, tell me, before we, we dive into that, I want you to bring us back to, you know, the really the before, like what, what was the burning desire that went through like the journalism movement you had in you and then to this? Um, well, I, I think, you know what, I grew up in a family that debates public policy and politics around the kitchen table. My parents' kitchen table is this beautiful oak table that was from my mom's farm when she was growing up in Southern Ontario. And so it's this gorgeous, solid table, probably built in the 30s or 40s. And so we are that family. And I don't know if your family is like this, Angelique, but my family is the type that will spend two and a half hours at the dinner table. It took us 20 minutes to eat the meal. And then the conversation continues for the next two hours. So I grew up in a very politically uh, astute family. I, I credit my parents and my older sisters and then their husbands um, with, because like I, I am uh, 13 years younger than my next sibling. So I was a kid in a grown up world. And, and so our conversations were about the politics of the day. And, um, so I think I was always fascinated by that, but not from a let's go into government standpoint. I was always fascinated about how do you solve the problems of your community, right? And um, so I think it was bred into me from a very early age in my family. Um, and so that was always what I wanted to do. I wanted to, and I was fascinated by hidden stories. I've always been, and throughout my career, I've been fascinated by the stories that are unexpected or the stories we don't necessarily know. And when I was at the University of Toronto, uh, that was an interesting time to be uh, studying political science and history. It was 89 to 92. So the, um, 
the Berlin Wall was coming down, communism was collapsing, and here in Canada, I entered U of T as Meech Lake was dying, and I left U of T as the as the Charlottetown Accord was happening. So Canada was in the midst of this massive debate about what the heck were we going to be. Um, and so that kind of brought me into this really interesting point in our nation's history, but also global history. Um, and a really early interest for me um, was Indigenous studies. Um, and um, so there, and as the news from the last couple of weeks in Canada has shown, we have quite a hidden story and a hidden history that we need to hear as Canadians, right? And, and to acknowledge and um, start fixing it. So yeah, so that's been a constant through my whole career. Um, it's certainly been those Indigenous stories. Yeah, I love how you bring that from the family table to your mission. <laughs> yeah, right? no, absolutely, absolutely. So what was your, uh, so you, you're very aware of what you want, you know, where you want to play your mm -hmm. role, right? So for you, what was your biggest struggle at the time to make it happen into a full-time business for you? Right. So um, it coincided with the birth of my daughter. So Alex is now 15. And um, when she, after she was born, and I think this is a story that happens for a lot of women, um, I couldn't figure out how to return to the newsroom. Um, it just didn't feel right anymore um, for a number of different reasons. Um, so um, because I had also taken a bit of um, a side turn uh, from my journalism career in 2003, I was a political columnist here in New Brunswick and the president of the University of New Brunswick approached me to come and work with him for two years on a special outreach program that we created called Next MB, Avenida MB. So I worked with John McLaughlin for two years on that. So when I returned to journalism at the end of those two years, I was pregnant and I was sort of caught between these two worlds. I had discovered a new way of engaging with citizens through my work at the university and journalism was in, was changing, but it wasn't changing as fast or in the way I wanted it to. So um, my daughter's birth kind of gave me that opportunity to take a pause and step away and do some thinking. And um, a couple of years after she was born, well, so then I just started freelancing. And then a couple of years after she was born, um, John called me up and said, you know, technology is catching up, has caught up with us and our ideas. Um, it's time to try again on helping people understand these complex issues we're dealing with. And he said, this time you lead. And I think you need to go out and see what you can do with that. And so it was at John's inspiration that I created Wicked Ideas. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I am... I am not a natural entrepreneur, nor was it something that I naturally embraced. But I think it gets back to mission and purpose that I am passionate about helping people understand how we negotiate our way through these really complicated stories, whether it's about indigenous reconciliation or regional economic development or youth unemployment or healthcare systems or education systems, all these different things. Um, and climate change, of course, which is the biggest one of all. Um, I'm really passionate about trying to help people understand and get their way through that and reach a point of peace and consensus. So if I couldn't do that through journalism, then it seemed strangely natural to go and forge my own path, 
which of course is insane, but what the heck, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, you're doing the same thing, right? All, all of us are kind of, that's the thing about entrepreneurship is it seems like the most natural thing in the world to step off the cliff. Yeah, I just love how you, because <laughs> you express it so well, because for me, when I was a journalist, I felt the limitation of my my message. You're not there for your message. You, you're here to carry super important messages about all the issues you mentioned. And I love to be a, a kind of a, Tim um, one. Oh my God, a tissy, uh, like a viewer, like your product history. Like right. it's a privilege to be a journalist, right? Right, absolutely. And, but then that limitation of what about my mission, right? Right. And so it's funny how you did that. You you had like a major major opportunity with someone say, hey, you go now. Right. You go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's and like, so I don't know about you, Angelique, but because all I've ever wanted to be is a journalist and, and journalism is is sort of like a calling. Right. Yeah. Like um, and so. I really did struggle for a very long time about walking away from it. And, and I've never fully walked away from it. I continue to write, I continue to publish. So I'm still in my own head working through how the skills of journalism, right? Because if writing is the art, then journalism is the commercial craft of writing and of storytelling. And so just as all these other industries are being forced to change and adapt in the face of these massive new technologies. So is journalism. And journalism, of course, is, is having to change and adapt, not just because of the business needs, but also because we need a free press. We need to be able to tell our stories for democracy to flourish and be strong. Right. So at this particular point in history, it is so important for those types of stories to be told. And we have to figure out how to do that. So I think that it's both a role for um, working journalists today to figure that out, but also people like you and me who have been in that world and have stepped out of that world and perhaps can see a way forward because we now stand kind of on two islands yeah yeah and more and more even in in marketing you you see that people buy through values you carry like right. messages you fight for so that's right. super interesting to see how the mediums are changing right Absolutely. so yeah, yeah no so anyways um, okay so through all of this right what was the big thing that you thought was true about entrepreneurship <laughs> and was proven wrong to you. Do you remember like what you were thinking about becoming an entrepreneur versus what was that thinking? <laughs> oh, I thought it came in a kit. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was like, great. So if I just take that course, it'll work. And that was stupid. <laughs> uh, because um the kit that i initially tried the first path that i initially tried the the formula that i first tried was wrong for me and it 
wasn't designed for someone like me. It wasn't designed for um, what I wanted to do. And for the first time in my professional career, I felt completely lost. And I remember going to have tea with one of my best girlfriends and just sobbing because the corner I felt I had ended up in terrified me. I didn't want to be there. And because I was new at this, I thought this was the only way, this was the way business operated. And I was so despairing that I, I couldn't live the way that this path had taken me. And I didn't know how to find the other path. So yeah, no, that was a very, very dark time for me. And so my girlfriends got me out, right? And so, and I think that was really, really important is that it was my girlfriends that got me out and it was my girlfriends who helped me understand that sometimes the way we look at entrepreneurship is very gendered. And, um, and but we don't realize that necessarily. Tell me more, tell me more. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I, of course, run a, so I run, um, service-based industry I, mm -hmm. I i i run programs and i do teaching and so coaching and um you know so that was devalued in the beginning when i was going into the entrepreneurial ecosystem um because it was a quote-unquote lifestyle business right and, oh you know and and i was i was told lisa you can't build a business around your around you that's not that's that can't scale that um your idea it can't be just about your ideas it has to you know you have to come up with a tangible product you has to you know and so it was very much an engineering mindset it was very much um that very classic uh vc startup model um which is fine. That's great. Um, and that's great for the computer science and engineering dude or dudette, I'm usually dude, who has come up with a whatchama thing. And then they take the whatchama thing and they run around and try to figure out where the market is. And I, of course, was the other way around, right? I knew exactly who my market was. What I had to figure out was how to serve that market. And the traditional startup um, tech world. Um, isn't interested in helping that I, that idea flourish. And so that, you know, so, so as someone new to entrepreneurship and not, and like, I don't have a business degree, right. I wrote about business. I didn't have a business degree. Um, I was like, Oh my God. Like, so, so my own insecurities about entering this new field were further reinforced by that type of rejection. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, overcome that oh well you know what so i have i have girlfriends who have businesses um and they helped um and i had great clients who made me feel valued um and uh you just kept going Right. You just you, because you had a mortgage to pay. So, right. So you just keep going and you figure it out and um, you widen the lens and you look further afield and um, you never stop searching for the community because you'll eventually find it.
Yeah. But it's not necessarily the first one that stands up and waves and says, hey, we're all about entrepreneurship. Come on in. It's like, mm, no, you're not. <laughs> well, not for yeah. me. Yeah. Not yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Um, do you remember what was the big first big payoff for you when you felt that you reach? I'm not talking just financially, but also when you felt like, OK, this is my path. You know, what was the first big payoff for you? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it was, um, well, you know, it would, have, it would have been the first client that I got that I hadn't known. Yeah. Right? I love this. Yes. So it was the first person to hire me and work with me. And I worked with them for three years um, who had met me and tell me more. Right. And, and so that was really, really special. Right. That's the, that's the oomph that you need. Right. That's, yeah. the, yeah. that's the wind. Yeah, that makes me think of, you know, um, the woman I help when we build our sales funnel and they get their first completely unknown people at their webinars. They're like, Oh my God. It's right. like, Someone you don't know is showing up. It's like, it's big. This is where your confidence muscle is that's like, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely absolutely so um yeah it's when strangers start paying attention yeah that's thank awesome you for sharing this lisa thank you thank you so much to be so open because it's a story that we don't hear enough right um okay i don't want to keep you too long but i have come two more questions for you mm, yeah, sure. according, according to you what are your biggest fears as a woman in business um, <laughs> um, well, so I think I'm that classic woman entrepreneur where, um, safety and security is really important to me. Right. And so I will always have a financial fear at the back of my head that it's all going to disappear. Right. So that ira rather irrational fear, um, I do battle with on a regular basis, right? Um, yeah. And I think just acknowledging that you do battle with that, I think is really important. And, very, and that also helps. Yeah, you're very aware of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a thought. It's just yeah. a thought. You're still there, flourishing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Yeah, I think it's a very common one. Definitely, yeah. right? Yeah. And what's your relationship with social media? I'm always asking that to my ladies I interview. Oh, well, you know what? I am, um, there's that old expression, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. And so that is a bit me, right? Like, so like, like I was a, I was a journal, I was a political columnist. I was an editor. I was a writer. I, I, and I am, I understand how social media works and I'm, I'm actually pretty good on it when I'm on it. Um, but you know, I push it to the bottom of my list, right? So I've got client work, I've got other things I'm doing, I've got the sales, I've got, and then I've got, you know, family things. And so I always write for others before I write for me. And I need to stop that. <laughs> Listen to yourself. Right. I have to take my own advice. I love it. But yeah, no, so that's it. You like I, that. yeah. I I know that to be true. 
Um, so that's my relationship with social media. Um, so I'm fine on LinkedIn. I I'm just starting to get on Instagram. I don't particularly like Twitter largely because like a lot of women in journalism and a lot of women who had public personas, I kind of got chased around Twitter by um, trolls. So like Twitter, not my favorite place to hang out. And then of course, Facebook is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and your story is so amazing. You're right. We need to hear that story. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So t if people want to know more about, you know, Wicked Ideas Media, tell mm -hmm. us more about who you are serving. Sure. So um, I'm actually just in the process of launching my first program. Um, and so I'm going to be uh, launching um, it at the end of July. Uh, no, at the beginning of July for the summer. Um, and it's called the, the uh, Wicked Solutions Studio. And as I call it, it's 10 weeks to save the world. And you come hang out with me for 10 weeks. We got video learning, we got one weekly classes, and the end result is a 10, uh, sorry, a 12-month calendar and work plan for solving whatever problem it is you're trying to solve or market you're trying to get into. We take your work plan, we divide it into four quarters. The first quarter is divided into two six-week um. Uh, groupings to help with quick wins. And in the process of doing this, we map what I call are the four key resources for moving a problem along. And that's your people, capital, information, and ideas. And we figure out how you can build a movement using all those resources to change the world or change wow. your world. Yeah, so that's it. Ten, 10 weeks to change the world. Okay, so if you want to learn more, go to LinkedIn. This is where go you're hanging out, Lisa. Yeah, I, I, LinkedIn is the best place to start that conversation. And of course, you can come to the website, wickedideas.ca. Yeah, okay. Wow. Anything I didn't ask that you wish I would have asked you about your story? Mm, no, I think you, you know, um, from one journalist to another, you got, you're got you a great interviewer. As you know. <laughs> um, Thank you, Lisa. Oh, no, I... I think we covered everything off. Okay, I, I can't so, wait. I love, I love all the story you shared, and uh, I can't wait to read um, or hear your podcast or something when you're gonna tell us your yes, story. Yes, and so now I'm gonna be after you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, you stay cool up in your part of the province. I'm down here I'm by the ocean. Yeah, I'm getting sticky. <laughs> yes, I'm down here by the ocean. So I have some beautiful breeze oh. wafting in through my window. So I'll send you some of the <laughs> Bay of Fundy's cooling air yeah. on up the and, highway. And I hope to meet you in person yes. soon enough. Okay. Yes, yes Thank absolutely. Thank you so much. So my I'm pleasure. gonna say goodbye to Instagram and then uh, and then uh, we can go there. Thank you everybody. Leave us a comment if you have comments. You've been listening to the Social Media Love Podcast from Angelique Benet. If you want to grow your product or service business with social media, visit socialmedialoveab.com.